Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. So, Liz. Yes. Before we get to our 80s flashback and then the next fire hose of news that happened this week, since you got me hooked on the bear, yes, I am beyond devastated that I we totally binge watched it and there's nothing else to watch now. Oh, wait, have you watched both seasons? Yes. Wasn't the dinner party scene in the second season awesome? Which one? When they were at, at his house. And they had the big. Okay, then no, we haven't caught up. Then my husband is lying. I'm like, how have we watched this? Wait, he has it at his apartment? Yes. It's at his mother's house. Oh, no, the Christmas dinner. The Christmas dinner. That's right. Oh, I I thought you meant the dinner party. Okay, no, it was so disturbing. Yes. That I was like, I couldn't wait for it to be over. That's like, that's the show they make when people get Emmy nominations, you know, when they submit it. Like, I thought the acting was so good. I mean, yes, it's disturbing. It's supposed to be. But we're getting yes. <clears throat> we're getting off. I'm so glad you enjoyed that. It makes me happy. Well, I love it, too, because of the Chicago angle, obviously. And I know you were in Chicago, too, for years. But the scenes are awesome, except I turned to John at one point and I go, where are the scenes with 12 inches of snow on the ground? Yeah. Like, like there's, it, there's right. never snow. <laughs> Fair. That is fair. But anyway, oh, my God, the guy who plays Karma, I just cannot get over. So I guess they just announced the Emmy nominations a couple weeks ago, and the bear just, like, blew the doors off. I think it's, like, a record number of Emmy nominations. Yeah. So that'll be fun to watch. I might watch it just for that because I don't care about anything else, any other shows. Um, But it's just so good. So good. So now we have to wait for season three. I don't know when that'll happen. Well, because the strike is still going and it doesn't look like they're going to resolve the strike any anytime soon, which is fine because what happens, a lot of these people don't realize is that when there's a strike like this and it and it goes on for a long time, people figure out different ways and mediums to get entertainment. And all that does is ultimately make them irrelevant. Like I remember. Yeah. There was a strike a long time ago uh, and all of a sudden it that spurred the rise of reality TV because reality TV stuff wasn't covered under the strike, you know, the the unions that were striking. And so that's how we got reality TV. So the longer this goes on, the chances that Hollywood is, will be irrelevant increases. Although I read some of the stories about this and one of the, and I am sympathetic to this, which is that the streaming services don't want to disclose their numbers. A lot of these issues for the strike have to do with royalties. And in order oh. to get royalties from like a Netflix yeah. or for a Hulu, they have to disclose their viewership numbers. But they don't want to disclose their viewership numbers because they're probably not nearly as good as people are led to believe. So it's, it's kind of an interesting situation. So who knows when we'll get the bear? There's a lot of shows. Well, not a lot, but there's a couple. I'm a big fan of Severance. Um, that's HBO. That's a great show. I mean, who knows when they're, they're coming back? And I don't watch a lot of TV either. So that few things that I like will be gone forever. But we'll get something better, hopefully. And, you know, anything to cripple Hollywood. Is, yeah, we've got to. I'm about we gotta, that. we got to root for that. Well, yeah. speaking of TV shows and speaking of the 80s, here's a nice little um, connection, dovetail there. Remember, like, this time of year back in the day, and it was like, TV premiere season yes. and you would have to wait all summer and watch all the reruns before like your favorite show was rebooted for, or, you know, the next season or a yes. new show was introduced. Like this was sort of a big deal, right? You would just be waiting till like after Labor Day, like, okay, when, when, when's my favorite show going to come back? There were cliffhangers too. We'd have a cliffhanger and we have Always. to wait all summer. Always. But who shot JR? I don't know. We have to wait. So go exactly. ahead. So um, this week, back in the 80s, lots of TV shows debuted. Full House debuted in 1987. Baywatch debuted in 1989. Family Matters debuted, also 1989. Family Ties, classic, debuted in 1982. Alf, I feel like we could have lived without Alf, but um, that also debuted (laughs) in 1986. 
Uh, not a TV show, but Top Gun debuted 1986. Uh, let's see. George Clooney made his first appearance on The Facts of Life. I'm sure that was a big uh, opener. Who's the Boss debut? The Cosby Show. One of my faves. Ooh. Debuted in 1984. My two dads, Spencer for Hire. I mean, this was like a big. This was big, the glory big. days. The 80s were like the glory days. No I doubt. Think. No, we of great they were. Show, of great shows. We say that all the time. But these shows like would be so fun to watch, like rewatch the Cosby show. Or... I don't think you can even watch it anymore because of Bill Cosby. Like he's canceled. Oh. So now you couldn't find That's so sad. The, Co- the Cosby show. I'm I think you could probably find like Facts of Life reruns or something on Tubi or Pluto. Um, those free channels that have there's like the 90210 channel where they just play 90210 episodes all day. Um, so <laughs> no, they, they and they have them for like Fantasy Island. You can there's a channel for every single one. But I think the Cosby show has been erased from history. That's so, really sad. Too bad. It is. It's really sad because that show was probably one of the most influential show of the 80s is the Cosby show. I know I like to rant about this because we hear so much constant uh, screaming from the left about how everyone's racist this is just a racist society. But, you know, the Cosby show was the number one show in the 80s. It was. Everybody watched the Cosby show. And Oh, my God. Remember, off. like, on Friday mornings, you would get so Friday mornings, like, especially my senior year, then we would have, like, first period would be, you know, in the cafeteria, like, for all the seniors. So you could, like, catch up on homework or whatever. That, that didn't happen. Have breakfast. And then the whole discussion would be about the shows the night before because Thursday night it was what Cosby show then what I think it cheers what was that after the spinoff there was the spinoff yeah but that was Um, this was before the spinoff Jasmine guy okay what was it it wasn't family ties Cosby yeah maybe it was family ties but everybody used to talk about the Cosby show everybody watched the Cosby show and Mm -hmm. Again, number one show in the country. The entire cast was black. You know, everybody loved that show. Yeah. Um, among other shows, too. Like, you know, The Jeffersons, very popular. Um, you know, Different Strokes with Arnold and Willis. I mean, I, it, we, we're living in a revisionist history, period. We are. So I want to bring that up when you, when you brought up The Cosby Show. It's important to point out, you know, this this uh, this lie that we're this is a, you know we're all racist and we don't like black people when you know number one show Cosby show so um so oh, it's a different yes. world was the name of the show with Jasmine that's Guy right. and Lisa Bonet yeah, yeah, yeah. yes that's right different world yeah that was that was a good one too Lisa Bonet she was so cool she was so pretty too she, she is so pretty she is Couldn't she is her. Okay, so I just want to say before we move over to the news, yesterday was the 21st of September, which if you like Earth, Wind and Fire, Mm -hmm. you remember. (laughs) Well, as you know, and our listeners know, I was we went to that concert a couple weeks ago, was that a month or so ago, Lionel Richie and Earth, Wind and Fire, and the place just went totally up for grabs when they played September, just it's just such a good song. Like, I don't think I ever turn that song on if it comes on. It's oh, not no, like, oh, I'm not in the mood for September. It's like, oh, my God, September's on. I feel so much better. When we're done taping, I'm putting, I'm going to put it on. Like, I'm thinking now, I'm like, as soon as we're done. Taping, Can we end right with back, it? Put it on. Um, okay, so much news. So after we taped last week, big breaking news in the Whitmer fednapping. Liz, credit again to you for fednapping, which everyone now has picked up on. Even I think I House Republicans call it the fednapping. So kudos <laughs> to you. So we have the Fed surrection. I think that was Darren Beatty and fednapping because of Liz Sheld. So um, three men who were tried on state charges brought by Attorney General Dana Nessel, who is probably... Unbe- unbelievably so, worse than Gretchen Whitmer, if that's possible, but I think she actually is. Brought state charges, three men um, found not guilty on two counts related to the fednapping hoax. I posted, and I'm sure you saw it, Liz, I posted the video because in state court it was all on air 
of the recording of these men being found not guilty by this jury. And it was just so gratifying to see the government and the FBI, by the way, another black eye completely humiliated by 12 jurors in Michigan. Uh, these three men found guilty. You now have out of 14 total defendants in the Fed napping hoax. You have five who were outright acquitted, um, two who had a hung jury, thanks to one jury in the first federal trial. They were convicted in a second trial, thanks to the judge who did everything he could, went out of his way to help the government. And at the end in sentencing said it was not an FBI entrapment scheme that the FBI did their job and we should thank the FBI for it. Ha ha. Um, three men were convicted in a separate state trial. Four other individuals pleaded guilty. I'm sure coerced in some way to plead guilty. Liz, this represents probably one of the most humiliating defeats for the Department of Justice and Attorney General's Office in Michigan, like in history. You know this because you're you have a PhD and you're just a smart gal who's very you know aware of the world. This just doesn't happen. DOJ has something like a 95% conviction rate, and it's not that much different in state trials. So to have five people outright acquitted, two almost acquitted, four coerced into plea deals, and three convicted, unfortunately, I'm sure that's on appeal, as are the two federal convictions. Um, This just speaks to how egregious this entrapment case was. And... um, you know, you know that I've been covering this extensively since the beginning, really 2021. Um, and I think that this has really finally got the attention of people on Capitol Hill. I've heard from them and I it's my understanding I, and I'm hoping this is true, that they are going to continue to investigate exactly what happened there. Well, I, th- I think people are getting hip to what's going on, too. I mean, if you think about the setup of dealing with the DOJ coming after you and being prosecuted. You're being prosecuted by an entity with unlimited resources, first of all, Um, and traditionally have always been given the benefit of the doubt, right? I mean, people have always thought, oh, well, the Department of Justice, and they do good things, and they fight crime, and, you know, baseball, apple pie, and Chevrolet, and, you know, and so the jurors traditionally kind of tend to but, you know, give the benefit of the doubt to the DOJ. They're held in high esteem. But I think that's gone now. I think that's completely gone. It reminds me when I was home visiting my mom like a month ago, she watches all these crime shows like CSI and whatever. And we were watching some show and it was about the FBI, some agency on the FBI. I think it was Bones or something. And, you know, the, the FBI is like, oh, they're they're getting a kidnapped baby back, you know, and they're mm-hmm. getting you know, they're, they're right. They're, they're getting the drug uh, kingpins. They're, yeah. They're getting the drug kingpin or the human trafficker. Why don't we have a show where the FBI like kicks in the door to a house and shoots the dog. And then the mom has a heart attack because she's scared. I mean, I think that so, we're getting so they can to- haul off. So they can haul off some guy who wore horns and screamed inside exactly. the Capitol building three years but ago. He like breached an imaginary line that <laughs> made him trespass. Liz, like, we no should create. While there's a writer's strike, we should write our own show, <laughs> FBI J6 unit. And oh just my like God. have these fat FBI clowns, like, <laughs> and the local yokel cops at 5.30 a.m. use a battering ram to, you know, bust open the door of some trailer and haul oh off my. a guy who, you know, took a selfie in the rotunda. That would be three o'clock hilarious. On Wouldn't it be? And then the you have, like, to do that have them call Chris Ray and be like, director Ray, we have another one. We have another insurrectionist. <laughs> and he just has like that this smile. Tote board in the office where they're like adding little dings. <laughs> like, Oh, we got another we got one. Whiteboard. <laughs> we got a Right. We got another one. It's like zero dark 30. You have someone there like we have 1,123 insurrectionists. With like Only red, like more to go. string connecting people, like you know, with the little strings connecting all the suspects or the 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 what are they domestic terrorists? But the, but really, I mean, but the funny part is it would start with Chris Ray. Okay, it started with Chris <laughs> Ray. We go all the way down here. We go to Tennessee. This guy in Florida who drove up with his son. And but oh, and look, it went back to Chris Ray. 
Amazing. But I do, I really think that, that, that hurdle that um, defendants had to go through years ago <clears throat> because people did have such a positive view of, you know, the, the crime fighters. I just think that's gone now. And I think that's evidenced with these fednapping verdicts, you know, especially some of the information that has come out over the course of these hearings where there's playing fast and loose and very clearly entrapping people or what appears to an average person to be, you know, entrapment. No, it it, it is entrapment. <clears throat> and I mean, this is the purpose of the entire confidential human source program, also known as, you know, that's informants. The entire, it seems like most of it anyway, is being used for this imaginary domestic war, you know, these domestic terrorists, these CHS is deployed, whether it's January 6th, the Proud Boys, Oath Keepers, the Whitmer case, who knows what they're concocting now. Um, that's their purpose. But, you know, Liz, it was interesting at this, you know, at the same time that this jury was coming back with quittles, Rasmussen conducted a poll um, on police, uh, people's view, Americans' views on is America becoming a police state? And the responses are pretty amazing. Um, one question, a police state is a tyrannical government that engages in mass surveillance, censorship, ideological indoctrination, and targeting of political opponents. How concerned are you that America is becoming a police state? 46% of all respondents said very concerned. 26% said somewhat concerned. I mean, that's a huge, that's huge, huge number. <clears throat> Even that's 30. Like three out of four people. Even like 67%, 67% of Democrats said that. Now, of course, they're bragging, right? They're bragging about it. Yeah, it's a police exactly. state. You better believe it. We're in charge of it. Um, but even the question about um, the FBI, do you agree or disagree? The FBI is a danger to the freedom and security of law-abiding Americans. Um, you have, again, 50, uh, 50% said strongly agree or somewhat agree. Um, Republicans said, let's see, we've got 45, 68% said they agree. <clears throat> of course, Democrats, how many here said 58% said, no, I don't agree. Of course. Sure. What a flip That's though. You have Things Republicans are- now saying the FBI is the threat versus Democrats who are saying, no, they're not a threat. It is kind of interesting because with the Democrats or with the left, it really depends on who's being targeted as to whether or not the FBI is a threat. Because not that long ago, they were worried about the FBI targeting, you know, Black Lives Matter, right? They were worried about law enforcement going after Black Lives Matter or uh, whatever y- yippity groups, like the anti-war groups or something. Um, and certainly in the 60s, you know, they were concerned about what the FBI was doing with Martin Luther King and some of the stuff in the 70s with all of the like the weather underground and all of that stuff, the Democrat socialist students, those people. Then the left was very concerned about overreach from federal law enforcement. But now it's completely different because what they did, they played the long game and they just captured the intelligence agencies. Right. Instead of fighting it and resisting it. They played, again, a long game where they systematically like took over and now they're in charge of the intelligence apparatus and they're using it against our political enemies. It's fascinating. It really is. But I think that these jury verdicts and also, Liz, illustrates how unfair. I mean, it's unfair. It's unconstitutional what's happening in these D.C. juries, because when you go before a jury of your peers, you know, and these guys, too, they're. Two of them are twin brothers. They're these big, huge guys. They had these goofy, like long ponytails. You know, they're just like good old boys from upper Michigan. But if you put when you put people like that in front of D.C. juries, the contempt just oozes out of these jurors and the judges. But you put them in front of their neighbors and other people who go, "Okay, yeah, maybe you did kind of a shitty thing or maybe you shouldn't have talked that way. But hey, whatever. We hate the government. And no, you're innocent. Um, Just speaks to how really unfair um, and just, again, unconstitutional what's happening in D.C. with J6ers and Trump supporters and Trump, uh, you know, Trump uh, advisors. I mean, Peter Navarro was found guilty of contempt of Congress in like seven minutes by a D.C. jury. Right. But people who other people who committed contempt of Congress weren't even charged. Right. Like Eric Holder, who was the attorney general of the United States of America and lied under oath 
or other people who should be charged like Clapper um, and I think Brennan both have lied under oath several times. Um, speaking of liars, we I think we should talk about Merrick Garland was a liar um, uh, yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. That little shit. But that's a good point. And I, I think it really speaks to how fractured we are as a culture, you know, that we are very fractured and very um, concentrated. You know, there's much less of a spectrum and people are much more. Uh, you know, definitively on a certain side. So, and that's why they fight. That's why they fight to keep the the, the trials in D.C. Because theoretically, according to the Constitution and in principle, it really shouldn't matter, right? I mean, it says jury of your peers. That's right. You should be tried by a jury of your peers. So, why would it matter if it's in Kansas instead of uh, you know D.C. or Alexandria or Arlington? Well, because we all know it does matter, and that's why they fight. And, it absolutely you know, again, does. It's not it does. fair. It's not fair. It's unconstitutional. It says right there, jury of your peers, the people in Washington, D.C. are the 180 degree opposite of a peer of a Trump supporter. I mean, I've sat and watched how they look at these guys. One proud boy told me, um, in fact, two of them told me, Enrique Tario and Joseph Big said um, that jury hated us. They absolutely hated us. We could sense it. We could see it. They hated us. I think. Joe Biggs, it was Joe Biggs or Dominic Pizzola told me one juror who had said about the Proud Boys, I want to see them under the building, meaning the courthouse during jury selection, was seated on the jury. Of course. Of course. And they have no they have no recourse. And think about this, Liz. Somebody else brought this up. There's a potential that they're recycling jurors. Or jurors who have who have been dismissed by either the judge or defense are thrown back into the jury pool for consideration. I mean, there are so many trials going on, and you know this. D.C. is a, it's not a big city. How many no. total registered voters do they have? No, 100%. That, 100% that's happening. 100% that's happening. And it's, you know, it's not fair. And really, we'll have to see on appeal if, if you know, how these people will fare. And I think when you appeal... You have to appeal on a very specific legal ground. You can't just appeal and say, I don't like this. I'm appealing it. You have to have a very specific legal argument and grounding for why the your you know trial did not proceed according to the law, basically the rules and regulations. So I don't know if that's something you can appeal um, on the um, jury. Well, yeah, well, you could just you can appeal the. <clears throat> Wadir or whatever the process is. I don't think you can appeal that, but you just appeal the conviction and the sentencing. So that's what a lot of them are doing. But I think you have to say why. In other words, you have to say sure. it's appealing yeah. because the sentence was outside the bounds of what the law says. Or you can say that there was a, a procedural flaw. Um, but I, I, I'm pretty sure it has to be just specific that they can say, well, this was the law, but the judge admitted it, but they shouldn't have admitted it because the, the rules require this or something like that. That's my understanding. I am not a lawyer and I certainly am not as familiar with the legal system as Julie Kelly, who's basically like a lawyer now. I do oh, have so. an, an honorary law degree from Insurrection U. <laughs> Pacer. Pacer so University. Anyways, the Whitmer verdicts were another great thing. Investigation, the two federal convictions are up on appeal they filed their briefs. The government has to respond by November. So hopefully there'll be some sort of hearing uh, appellate um, oral arguments in the Michigan appellate court. I'm assuming early next year and I will be there. I will even leave Florida and go to cold, snowy Michigan to hear that one. If they let me in. Oh, that's, a, Man, that's uh, amazing. All right. So we have that. What else? We have so much happening. And then I'll let you get to the government shutdown because you're kind of the expert on um, how, you know, Congress works and the funding mechanisms, et cetera. So after that, Michigan, Liz, we finally got the long awaited charges against famous, infamous J6 provocateur agitator Ray Epps. And boy, did they throw the book at him, Liz. Woo. I heard he was getting charged for tearing the tag off the pillow that says do not remove under penalty of law. You know, the pillows come with that tag and it says, no, it's true. They do. Wait, and is it, it on it a says, pillow or not. a mattress? 
or a mattress. I think pillows do too, but definitely a mattress. Let's say mattress that he tore the tag off his mattress. And so now they're charging him under penalty of law. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, in a one count information, (laughs) so an information, this is part of my um, education at Insurrection U, is an information is the misdemeanor version of an indictment. So a criminal indictment goes before a grand jury and you have felony counts. This is a uh, misdemeanor case information filed by uh, our favorite guy, U.S. Attorney for the District of Columbia, Matthew Graves. Mm-hmm. So after detailing in 14 pages the long list of Ray Epps's misconduct on January 5th and 6th, he nonetheless is charged with one misdemeanor, which is uh, disorderly or disruptive conduct in a restricted building or grounds in violation of 18 U.S. Code 1752A2, 1752A2, count one. Okay. Yeah. So that's yeah. it. So. But Liz, this prompted, again, the corporate media, people like Adam Kinzinger, who anyone who came within 10 miles of the Capitol on January 6th is an insurrectionist and a domestic terrorist. Somehow Ray Epps emerged as the only victim sympathetic figure. And they all said, oh, look, okay." so the conspiracy theorists like Tucker or me or Darren Beatty, who really is the guy who broke the story, um, you know, now it's disproven. He's charged with this misdemeanor. Of course, Liz, feds are charged all the time, right? Informants are charged all the time. This actually even happened oh, in yeah. the case. This is, they get a little slap on the wrist, which Ray Epps just did. What's amazing here, and I'll just talk a little bit about how unusual the circumstances of this. Number one, I went through the entire capital breach. They call it database, which has all the information of 1,100 plus defendants now. There are maybe 15 or 16 total uh, defendants who only have one count against them. Um, Of that, the majority of single count informations is this parading in the Capitol, which are people who entered the building. And nonetheless, even though it's a low level class B petty offense, people are still going to jail after they've been convicted and sentenced. There's only one other defendant who has the 1752 single count against him a defendant named Isaiah Giddings, who, Liz, I know you'll be shocked to hear this, was with the Proud Boys on the 5th Uh, and the 6th. He's a fed. Yes. And in the disclosure, the government (laughs) said in his complaint, this is not the total information the government has about Giddings, but here's his count. Interesting. Yeah, I I saw the outrage. Furthermore, I'm sorry, and then you could go, furthermore, the information is filed on Tuesday. He has already has a Zoom hearing uh, hearing um, scheduled for Wednesday where he pleads guilty. I have seen this happen never in these cases. So there we are. Well, I think we know everybody. Look, again, like with the Whitmer thing, people are hip to what's going on here. We've seen the video of what Ray Epps was doing. And the idea that this guy gets off with nothing after all of the hullabaloo about how dangerous it was to go into the Capitol and how this was an insurrection to overthrow the government and stop the certification of a presidential election. And literally the instigator who's on numerous videos doing it, starting it, telling people to go in. And this guy gets nothing. He gets like a slap on the wrist. It's people know what's going on now. People know. And here's the thing, Liz, and people, and I tweeted this as soon as it came out, and the government, DOJ, admits um, Ray Epps was involved in numerous criminal offenses that have resulted in charges against a lot of other people except for him. So first of all, he's the guy who whispers in Ryan Samsel's ear, right? The kid who is at the first, what DOJ calls breach point number one, he's there, (laughs) whispers in Ryan Samsel's ear, Ryan Samsel then turns his head around, knocks over the first exterior set of bike racks. A police officer falls down. Ryan Samsel, Ray Epps, a few FBI informants, some Proud Boys bound up the stairs towards the west side of the building. Now, this happens at like 12.53 p.m., just a few minutes before the joint session convene at 1 o'clock. Pretty interesting timing, don't you think? Now, what's happening a few blocks away, Liz, also at the same time? Oh, gee. 
bombs are found outside of the RNC. So very interesting timing, again, right before the joint session. So this helps fuel, you know, all the panic that we were supposed to see that day. Ray Epps bounds up there. He's involved in breach point number two that DOJ calls. So another set of um, bike racks where they bound up the stairs and they're on the west terraced side of the building. He's there for at least an hour, I think. I think he left at 2.15. What does he do while he's there? He's walking around. He's, now we know for sure, I've seen video of this, but I wasn't, it wasn't clear but DOJ just admitted this. He had his hands on that huge metal Trump sign that people were using as, you know, sort of this battering ram against police. So, and he's there when the joint session is about to convene, when Congress is in session for over an hour, then they have to recess because of the ongoing insurrection. What are the charges that Ray Epps, based on DOJ's own complaint that they just filed, what are the charges he could have been charged with? I mean, several. A obstruction lot, of, yeah. Obstruction of an official proceeding. You know, 320 plus people, including Donald Trump, who wasn't even there, charged with that. The most common felony. Conspiring to obstruct because he whispered in Ryan Samsel's ear. You don't have to know each other. According to the government, you don't have to know each other. You don't have to have a verbal agreement. It could be a wink and a nod, as Assistant U.S. Attorney Connor Mulrow told the Proud Boys jury. You don't even have to agree on what the criminal offense is going to be. So obstruction, conspiring to obstruct. Um, let's see, civil disorder, conspiring for civil disorder. Easily aiding and abetting, interfering with law enforcement. That's another common charge. So these are just a few of the more serious offenses that Ray Epps um, should be charged with, and he's not. And so a lot of people are questioning why. So what are your thoughts about it? As I mean, what's your assessment? Oh, no, the same thing. I mean, it's obvious what what the, the 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 DOJ has been throwing the book at every single one of these people with all sorts of puffed up garbage or um, charging them with things that were never intended to be used in the way that the DOJ is using it. That's what they've been doing to this 1000 plus group of people that they've that they've cornered. And then Ray Epps, who's literally the guiltiest person we've seen with our own eye. You know what I mean? If you're if it all the things that they say are true, then Ray Epps is like the number one, right? He's ground zero. The physically, again, the night before those videos of him going, you have to go in, you have to go in, going around from group to group, trying to get people to go into the Capitol the next day. And this guy gets nothing. I mean, obviously the, 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 whatever, the, the jig is up. I mean, I think it's, I, I just don't even think it's controversial to say that, it, to say it anymore. It can't be Liz. So Either they're concealing, and they definitely are, his role involvement on behalf of some federal agency. Now, keep in mind, it doesn't have to be the FBI. Every agency, as you know, Liz, better than I do, has covert agents who work yeah. on behalf of the U.S. government. He could be related to DHS. He could be related to the Secret Service, which is under DHS. He could be under DOD. Who the hell knows? He could be Mark Milley's best friend. And Mark Milley told him to go there because we know that Mark Milley was involved in January 6th. So it could be anything. My suspicion, and I tweeted this yesterday, and this is speculation, and some people have said, even lawyers have said, no, this isn't accurate, but I don't see how it's unavoidable, is the trial of Ryan Samsel starts next month. Mm. Even And witness lists in the case have to be filed by Monday, September 25th. DOJ has intentionally delayed Ryan Samsel's trial. <clears throat> and if anyone has seen videos of J6, you know who Ryan Samsel is. He's got the sweatpants on. He's got like a denim jacket. He has a MAGA hat. He turns it around right before he initiated the first exterior breach. Um, they have intentionally delayed his trial. This kid has been moved to, I think, eight different prisons. He was assaulted in the D.C. Gulag. They moved him out of there. I think he was assaulted in a Pennsylvania prison. That's where he's from. Um, so they've denied him medical care. They're really tormenting him. But they've also delayed his trial. Why? Because of the Ray Epps issue. How can you put Ryan yeah. Samsel, how can you try him, put him on trial for his activities, but completely avoid 
the issue of what Ray Epps said to him. Now, the other well, wrinkle. The def- his, I'm sure his lawyer, Samsel's lawyer, is going to bring that up. So they, they have to deal with Ray Epps. They have to deal with Ray Epps. And he is represented by Stanley Woodward, who is um, represents quite a few J6ers, including uh, one of the individuals, co-defendants in Trump's classified documents case. Um, a, a, a good lawyer. Um, he represented one of the Oath Keepers. I saw him in D.C. a couple of weeks ago. He's representing Ryan Samsel. So they're probably a little bit worried. And so is Shipley, whatever, um, representing Ryan Samsel. So um, the issue here with Ryan Samsel is he originally told the FBI that Ray Epps said to him, you know, calm down with the police. They're on our side. They're the good guys. Which doesn't make any sense, Liz, because if Ryan, if he told Ryan Samsel that, why didn't Ryan Samsel say, OK, dude, all right, old man, you're right. I'm going to walk away. Instead, right. he turns his head around so everyone can see that it says make America great again and knocks over the bike racks. I talked to Ryan Samsel from jail. I wasn't in jail. He was. Um, I'm not in jail yet. <laughs> he he was in jail. Not and he, he told me and he's told others a different story. And he said, that's not what Ray Epps said to me. He said, um, don't push through yet. Wait, we've got more people coming. So there's a discrepancy. Now, if Ryan Samsel takes the stand or certainly Ray Epps as a witness, either for the government or defense, he's going to have to say under oath, what did you say to Ryan Samsel? And my guess is that DOJ is going to try as hard as they possibly can to keep Keep Ray Epps off the stand as a witness. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Well, that's going to be very interesting. Um, Do you think that they'll be successful postponing Samsel's trial even more or is there no way to postpone it anymore? I don't think that they can now because they've got the trial schedule. Um, Keep in mind, Ryan Samsel, unlike Ray Epps, has been in jail since January of 2021. He was immediately arrested, denied bail. He has a criminal record, though. Um, You know, he's not uh, he's no saint. But nonetheless, he's been detained under pretrial detention orders now for it'll be almost three full years before he finally goes to trial. Jury selection, I think, starts October 13th. So I don't see any way unless they supersede indict him again, which I think they've already done six times, Liz. Wow. I don't think there's any way to avoid it. Now they could, because now Epps has pleaded guilty, his sentencing is in December. There's some window there, and I'm trying to get clarity on it. If he pleaded guilty to this one offense related to January 6th, can they bring additional charges against him? Is that double jeopardy? Because it wouldn't be the same crime, but it would be based on the same incident or alleged crime, which is the worst domestic terror attacks since 9-11. I don't know, but they're definitely going to threaten. There's something behind the scenes by DOJ going on on to keep him off the stand in the same trial. Yes. Well, we'll keep an eye on that when we, I'm sure next week on our podcast, we'll talk about what, you know, where that stands, because I think we'll know by then, right? We yes, the witness lists have to be filed by Monday, so I will keep checking that docket. I checked it again today to see if there's any updates. That's it. So the trial schedule is already set, and we'll see where Ray Epps ends up on the government witness list or or defense. He has to end up somewhere. Interesting. All right. Well, let me just interrupt our talk to mention that it looks like the government's going to shut down. Um, Yay. And that's a win. A win is a win. Win Let's is a win. <laughs> yeah. So as they say, the MAGA Republicans have managed to hold out on a continuing resolution to continue to fund the government. Now, um, just give you a quick update of the what a continuing resolution is. Now, technically and constitutionally, the Congress, the House, is supposed to create 12 separate appropriation bills to fund the government and they don't do that anymore because the house is not in regular order which is what it should be but mccarthy and they've been not in regular order for for a long for many years even under trump they weren't in regular order so what that means is that they have to keep funding like an omnibus or a continuing resolution which is one big fat giant hodgepodge right it's like when you 
leave for work in the morning and you take out your crock pot and you just start throwing a bunch of crap in there and you know assuming you when you come home from work you'll have like a delicious meal like oh you throw some chicken and, and some usually and usually you do let's admit no matter what you throw in there it tastes good <laughs> it is a magical device we're not gonna say it otherwise here on happy hour <laughs> but so they just put everything into one giant bill and that's usually a continuing resolution that funds the government for three months so they can go do it all over again or fund an omnibus instead of appropriating one by one by one by appropriating for defense, you know, for the defense, def appropriating for these other agencies. They don't want to do that. So the, quote, MAGA Republicans are holding out. They want more tax cuts. And McCarthy doesn't have the votes because there's such a slim majority in the House of Republicans. They just don't have they, they need the, quote, MAGA Republicans, as uh, Hakeem Jeffrey says the hard right flank they he, he's got to have their votes to pass anything and that he they can't get it so it looks like there might be a, <clears throat> a government shutdown i know matt gates is kind of of course is leading the charge um to 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 hold fast i mean he's already said if mccarthy passes a continuing resolution if he gets democrats right you you like he could get some Democrats to cross over and support a continuing resolution that he'll start impeachment, right? He'll ha file a motion to vacate the chair, which is what impeachment, not impeachment, um, will kick you kick out McCarthy is like vote him out as speaker. Um, then again, that's called motion to vacate the chair. So Gates has been very, very vocal about if they don't cut, if they don't make cuts and they just go ahead and get the votes they need from the Democrats to pass a continuing resolution that they're going to, they'll get rid of McCarthy. So, so they've left the, the congressmen have left DC today. We're taping it's Friday. They're gone. So there's no deals, right? They're not going to spend the weekend working like most people have to spend when they need to get their work done because these people don't, you know, they're better than us. They don't have to do that. So that's where we are now. Uh, you know, another problem with funding the government is even if the House did get, even if the quote mega Republicans, the hard right flank, um, did get what they want, you know, getting it through the Senate is another story entirely because the Senate is garbage. Even with our friend Mitt Romney gone, busy eating salmon and ketchup sandwiches, uh, you know, yes. the Senate is not going to pass anything decent either. Um, so that's kind of where we are. If the government shuts down, I could tell that the media is getting ready for that because these garbage tabloids like The Hill and Associated Press, you know, they're running stories like who's going to be most hurt by the shutdown? You know, can you get your chemotherapy, you know, with the shutdown things? You know, they're 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 teeing it up for can the grandma month. get her cat food yes. to eat. Exactly. The shutdown. Exactly. Exactly. It's it's it can be like that, or that people are talking about how their st their staffers won't get paid, you know, on the hill, like federal employees, like the wah, hill staffers won't. I know. <laughs> they get back pay, by the way. It's not like they don't get paid. They just do, they just get back pay. Is so they they, they eventually will get their money. But one thing to note about this, when we hear the rhetoric about the drama of a shutdown, is. There's nothing stopping Congress from passing a law that when there's a government shutdown, certain things aren't cut, right? Like certain people continue to get paid. They could do that. Another popular narrative is what about our troops? Julie, our troops aren't going to get paid. You know, that's that all of a sudden they're worried about our troops, you know, um, right. they could pass a law that makes sure that, you know, the troops get paid, that the legislative directors on the Hill get paid. They could do that. But, of course, they don't do that because this is all about leverage. So that's where we are. Next week, we'll know. Hopefully, we'll be doing happy hour next week. And it'll be super happy because the government will be shut down. Woohoo! Hey, you know, Julie, if they do shut the government down, I wonder what's going to happen with the Samsel case. Like, is that essential? Is the DOJ, like, is that? Oh, I would, I would think that federal courts still are, I would assume. Right? I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question. You should tweet that out and see if people answer and say, hey, if there's a shutdown, are they, is the DOJ going to continue, con continue to try um, cases? Speaking of DOJ, because amazingly, we're hitting our our, our time limit. Um, 
Yeah, I will ask about that. That's an interesting question. Now, of course, it would be glorious to see the Department of Justice shut down. Maybe, maybe so th- awesome. this would affect because the prosecutors wouldn't be able to try the case. Um, Merrick Garland, attorney general, uh, sat before the House Judiciary Committee on what day was it? Tuesday? Yesterday. No, Wednesday. No, oh, Wednesday. Wednesday. We usually record on Thursdays, so yeah. I'm all screwed up. Um, on Wednesday morning, where he was appropriately berated and mocked and criticized by most House Republicans, except for Ken Buck, who suddenly is like the new Liz Cheney of the Republican Party. Um, we trashed him on the show, so fuck you, Ken Buck. Okay, go we ahead. We did trash him, and he actually was sort of defending Merrick Garland, which of course he he would because he's a former federal prosecutor, and that's what they do. Um, so Merrick Garland uh, really got a tongue lashing. For me, it was they spent way too much time on the David Weiss issue. David Weiss, the now special counsel, who was the U.S. attorney in Delaware handling the Hunter Biden investigation. Still learning a lot about the chicanery behind the scenes on that. Um, But they did touch on other issues, especially related to January 6th. And then the breaking news this week that came out of the um, transcribed interview conducted by House Judiciary with Stephen D'Antuano, who, as our very astute listeners know, was the head of the Detroit FBI field office during the Whitmer Fednapping hoax, immediately promoted after the arrests were announced to head the Washington field office, admitting a lot of interesting things in that transcript. First of all, Guy appears to be dumb as a box of rocks, literally (laughs) so dumb, Dumb. which is why Chris Ray has made him the bag man, as Darren Beatty calls him, the bag man for the FBI, because they basically just throw him out there as the front guy and then do everything behind the scenes because he's too dumb to figure out what it is. Not only was he totally unaware of the Whitmer Fednapping host, didn't know anything about CHSs that were being run out of his own satellite offices, including Dan Chappell, the main informant who was paid $60,000 plus in cash and prizes for what he did, didn't know about that, didn't understand what the big deal was about the Fednapping hoax. It was just a normal case, he says. No, it was a terror enterprise investigation that was partially, that was approved at the highest level of the FBI, and he didn't know about it. So he played dumb. I don't want to say play dumb because he really appears to be dumb. Um, And people can look at that transcript, but it's at House Judiciary Committee. But also then when he was pressed in this interview and then Mayor Garland confirmed this, DOJ and FBI still does not know how many FBI confidential human sources, a.k.a. informants, were involved before and on January 6th. They still have no idea. And D'Antuano said they were getting so many questions, FBI headquarters had to conduct a survey with 56 field offices to see how many CHSs were run into the J6 operation. And guess what, Liz? We still don't have that answer. And Merrick Garland told the House Judiciary Committee, I don't know. No, he doesn't know. But the, but but it's also important to remember that's just the CHS is from the FBI. That's right. <laughs> there's there's a whole bunch of other agencies and police departments. We don't know how many how many people they had there that it's this is quite a little scandal. Um, it's a huge scandal. Right. Yeah. It is a huge Crazy. scandal. And um, former Capitol Police Chief Stephen Sund also testified this week. I haven't had a chance to watch his testimony, but he has already said he said this in Tucker's interview and he said this again um, this week under oath. He was not aware that D.C. Metropolitan Police Department had undercover agents on the ground on January 6th. He was never told he didn't know it. And Liz, you've seen this. They have at least three who are plain clothes dressed as Trump supporters. One of them is like chanting with the Trump supporters, you know, stop the steal or USA. And they're like leading people towards the Capitol, leading them. Like, I think two of them were climbing on the scaffolding, the inaugural scaffolding. Um, But Steve Saunders said he had no idea that Metropolitan Police had deployed undercover agents. There could have been dozens of them in the crowd. And that's just the D.C. Police Department. That's right. Other police departments. That may may have had people in there. There, this is such a scandal, and I, I, it makes me very sad 
even even as I'm blackpilled and like a nihilist at this point regarding the government, that it makes me very sad that I don't think we'll ever get justice on any of this, on just the breadth of the scandal surrounding the whole J6, the whole J6 thing. Just we're never going to get I don't think we're ever going to get those answers, Julie. It's very sad. Well, I mean, we do know because of these videos that have been coming up, body worn camera footage. I think it was Will Pope, the J6 defendant who's representing himself. He's done more work than the entire media uh, and certainly House Republicans in finding these video clips. And he's the one who really discovered somebody had posted it was supposed to be under uh, protective order. Someone posted the three undercover MPD guys and will kind of amplified it in his case, asking the government for all the information about these agents. And of course, they said no. Um, but yeah, it, it's a huge scandal. But we know because of these videos and we know because of the trials, especially the high profile Oath Keepers, Proud Boys, that there were dozens of FBI informants in both of those groups and others like the three percenters um, before and certainly on January 6th. So um, but I think it's a huge question the American people have. Don't you? They really want to know. Well, we need to know. I mean, look, our government isn't functioning the way it's supposed to. I mean, that's a real problem, you know, and this is not the kind of thing that the government's supposed to do. This is not the kind of thing that people I mean, there's a lot of midwits who, you know, think that things are just peachy keen. They're just moving right along fine as normal. But really, you can't have the government involved in basically a color revolution. (laughs) And that's that's what we're dealing with here. And that's what our intel agencies do around the around the world is foment color revolutions, overthrowing governments they don't like. And that's kind of what happened here, if I may be so bold to say. No, it is. It, it, it absolutely is. And I think that that's why you see these poll numbers coming out. You see these jury verdicts that aren't favorable to DOJ. And you see more and more questions and speculation. And the more that people like Garland, Stephen D'Antuano, Christopher Ray refuse to answer questions. Remember when Jill Sanborn testify before, I think it was Senate Judiciary in early 2022. And I think it was Ted Cruz asked her how many FBI informants or undercover agents either provoked or were engaged in violent behavior on January 6th. Remember, she wouldn't answer the question because now we know that they did. Yep. Yep. Well, before we wrap, Zelensky, the hero, the Winston Churchill of our time, (laughs) The Ukrainian Winston Churchill. He was here again, hat, you know, with his grubby little hands out. And Mitch McConnell and Chuck Schumer were shoving billions more dollars into his grubby like little hands. Pan handler. He's like a Ukrainian pan handler. But he doesn't even have to panhandle, right? He doesn't even he doesn't <laughs> even have to ask. They're just like shoving it in his green fatigues. Like, here, take it. Disgusting. And our borders yeah. wide open and the country is Ukraine's border is more important than the America's border. So that's, that's it. So thank you for listening. That's our hour. Julie, are we going to be here next week? We are. All right. Stay tuned for next week. We're going to find out if the government shut down. Yay. We're going to find out (laughs) if the shutdown means that the DOJ also shuts down. (laughs) Everybody wins. It could be a great week. So have a great weekend. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. We'll see you next week.